It's my, my busy life. That's the countdown to... Ding! Noble dreams of some noble dreams With his fingers and toes and everything in between With his friends and his foes and come see what that means Dream of some noble dreams Welcome to episode 8 of the Noble Dreams Podcast, and today we have a continuation on the theme of um, giving something in order to make a difference in the world. And so this is actually a conversation that I recorded quite a while ago, and you'll hear that referenced in the conversation itself with Mr. Phineas Sonnen. And first we have a poem from Meg Reynolds, who is someone that I did not know, and I saw performing uh, at a street festival recently, and I reached out to her and asked her if she might be interested in uh, submitting the poem that she read, one of the poems that she read that day. I thought it was pretty great, and that's uh, I I like poetry, and I also don't really love hearing people read poetry out loud because I have a hard time following it and holding uh, and having a good attention span for it which is uh, not a dig on the form itself. It's just my own experience. And so uh, I was quite delighted to find that I did not have the experience with with her uh, reading this poem, and it stuck with me. And uh, I'm really honored that she reached back and is giving us this to listen to. And it also includes some of her... um, thoughts on on that poem and the creation of it and so one part of it that she talks about is is um using strangeness as a means for making room for the newness of an individual as you know as they're developing and i thought that was a really nice segue into conversation with finn as well as you'll see in his own creating a very uh, unique and eccentric place in order for people to feel at home in a certain way and 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 be seen and and be recreated uh which is really exciting to me and so yeah there's not too much else to say this week i just uh oh the song at the end is a little instrumental that i made for a friend uh, a couple years ago she was doing a short film in school and asked me if i could do a uh, the music for it so that's what that is and just wanted to say thank you so much to all those who have donated monetarily to the podcast uh, which is possible through the tip jar feature which is in the show notes that's a huge help and i'm just incredibly grateful i'm so grateful to all those who have given me feedback who have submitted poems and songs and stories and mission reports i actually got to see Bree, she was in town the other day, and that was really great. Shorter than I would have wished, and yet so wonderful as well. And it was a, it was a fun little reminder of, like how of her greatness because we were gonna meet on this big, big busy walking street that was full of people. And she and I said, I'm wearing a striped horizontal shirt, horizontal striped shirt, and she said, I'm wearing a floral dress game on <laughs> and so so without even like discussing it you know we mean this game of trying to find the other person without them noticing and so it's just uh yeah so so glad to have her on board and, and and what she's contributing is so so wonderful and what you guys are doing with those contributions 
is also just such a blast, and I have a lot to share on mission number two, and I can't wait to hear what you have to share as well. So yeah, anything that you can submit is just totally welcome and totally grateful to have those. And please, if you're using the uh, the Apple Podcasts app, then please pause right now and give it some stars or a review. Those are really helpful for people coming in and that wouldn't know me or know this podcast they can see that and say oh it's got some good reviews or i mean hopefully i hope hope they're good uh, let me know if, if you're hating it <laughs> um anyways and uh what else yeah the email is nobledreamspod at gmail.com nobledreamspod at gmail.com and there is also a instagram account which is at noah days noble nights at Noah Day's Noble Nights, where I usually make posts about the episodes, and that's nice because I can put more um, pictures on. So for those of you who are visually oriented, often we have pictures of our guests, and that's uh, or the places we're in, or other things that are related. And also check out the show notes each time. I usually put references or links to things that we mentioned during the show, and. I think that's it. Thanks so much for being here. Tell tell some friends. I, I, I'm not thinking of a specific category this week of someone to tell about the show. It's just, it's really helpful. It's really helpful. If you think this show could reach somebody, could resonate with them in some way or another, please, please, please give them the option to enjoy it. Okay, thank you. Bye. Intimacy. It is banal to save your virginity for your husband. Why not offer him the first time you unscrew a molar from the iron clasp of your jaw with a pair of pliers? You can guess what his face will do with an orgasm's glittering marvel. You cannot know what he will do with the gore of your fist, the grind the tool works up in enamel dust. Suck less than gently on his eyelids. Spit grapes at his temples. Familiarize him with the constraints of your mother's tongue, your actual singing voice. Skin something tough like an adolescent alligator in his presence, but calm him by by giving him a job like holding the glass eyes. When the meat hits the pan, tell him the hiss reminds you of how your hairs crackle together when you make love. Immolate until he builds the house around you, flames charcoaling the roof. Hear him choosing in the dim next room to have, to have. No one has ever done that before. It doesn't have a registry, the tenderness of firsts. Then you will know him like a nipple or vow, how long the draw from his body. This poem was one that came rather quickly and in my head long before it made its way to the page. I was beginning a new relationship and I was very newly in love. But given that I'd had my heart broken before, I knew that I was terrified, that there were elements of me that were very joyful and very happy, but others that were quite scared. And you start to think of all the weirdest parts of yourself and how quickly you should share those things with another person. 
the person I was dating is someone I someone immediately wanted to marry, which is intense, but true. And so I thought, he's going to see everything. He's going to see all of my strangest parts. And so I essentially made a list of not the weirdest parts of me, but some of the weirdest parts I can imagine. And then thought, that's the meaning of intimacy, (laughs) that you can share even your weirdest thoughts and that the person that you belong with rather than running builds the house around you and chooses you anyway just like you choose them despite whatever their weirdnesses are I also think of the term I'm using weirdness strangeness as this really expansive space when you're making poetry or when you're making anything creative and certainly when you're making love that you in love and in making art go revise and work toward a level of strangeness in order to allow that piece of art or that love or the person you love to expand more into themselves, become more than they were before. The page is, in the artist's mind, this intimate and enlarging space where even strangeness can make room. And actually, strangeness is an excellent tool for making room for the newness of an individual. So I was both talking in the poem about a partner tolerating the weirdness of another person, of their partner, but also about love's ability to allow us to become who we are. realize when I get older that I whistle more accidentally when I speak <laughs> like I don't know if you listen to Garrison Keillor at the end of his life but he was whistling just like it would be like every time he said S it would come out as like you know super easy super easy can't do it when you try but you'll hear whistle it whistle speak is an important whistle speak. skill <laughs> but most people don't do it on purpose speak on purpose um, yeah I've actually practiced that a lot because I think it's funny but then when it happens in real life and you meet someone who legitimately whistle speaks, it's like such a treat. <laughs> it's a treat. Yeah, it's a real treat. Anybody who has a style is a treat, you know. Yeah. Characters are a treat unto themselves. Everyone's a character. Right? Everyone's I mean, a treat. It's like, oh, somebody, I heard somewhere that uh, person, like persona comes from, oh, I was good to whistle there. Pers- persona. 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 Um, comes from uh, Greek, uh, meaning like mask, basically. Mm-hmm. Like when you... You wear the mask of the person that you are in the moment. I always thought we were a fluid self, that there really is no self at any, you know, it's only like self of the moment. It's mm-hmm. like self de jour, more specifically. Self de jour, yeah. Self de moment. Uh, self of the moment that you yeah. can only, and like, but that we're a steady flow, flowing, you know, it's not like a subjective noun, like, thing object it's like uh, as a self I am a continual you know process hence my cells change every seven years and such and my, everything is still changing constantly some cells are dying off new cells are being born and as a person unto, under all of that there's no like stagnant like this is who I am I believe this thing I believe it all the time straight on through until the end like I want to recognize my own fluidity 
yeah. and my ability to keep my mind open to change and growth. And did you ask a question? Not yet. No man. Okay, no good. need to. Don't need Super. to. I'm so glad <laughs> we could jump right in. Yeah. Wet, muddy, Vermont day. Yeah. So what? Uh, what inspired you to start doing podcasts? I mean, oh, wait, uh, you're interviewing me already? Oh, it's, <laughs> this is not the way this thing goes. It could, it could, but maybe at a later date. My name is Noah Toot. I'm uh, 32 years old. I'm sitting in Burlington, Vermont on April, what, 24th? Yeah, what? 2019. And who are we with? Who are we sitting here with? Sitting here with uh, Phineas Sonnen. Oh, Phineas Sonnen. It's not my real name. It's just a pseudonym, but Mm -hmm. as far as you're concerned. (laughs) No, my parents call me Jeffrey. That was my birth name. Really? Let's get right to it. We're in it. We're in it. (laughs) Is it that's true? Yeah, I was born Jeffrey and uh I was there. I was I was Jeff for most of my life until I was like eighteen. And then I went I dropped out of college. I ended up at a rainbow gathering. There was like a whole circle of people named Jeff, you know, with a couple other people probably mixed in and uh and they were like, This is just way too much and they looked at me and they're like, You look like this cartoon character from the fabulous furry freak brothers. Uh, which was like a 60s character in, who smoked lots of weed and, you know, had a big long nose and frizzy hair. And his name was Phineas Freak. And so they were like, we're just going to call you Finn, Phineas from now on. And so from then, I just started walking around. People were like, hey, what's your name at that rainbow gathering? I'd be like, my name's Finn. That was so weird. <laughs> Starting to call myself Finn or Phineas. Yeah. And then it's just stuck since then. It's been like 30 years. It's... It's funny. I feel like I forgot how old am I? (laughs) I don't know how old you are. I feel like some people's names are like you. You learn their name and you look at them and you just say, "No, that's like someone messed up along the line." (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and I think it would be hard. I mean, I know you as Finn, but I think it'd be harder to work with Jeffrey and believe it. Right. I mean, even my parents, they're they're full fully. Finicated, fully finicated, yeah. yeah. They got finicated. Yeah. The smell of weed at my family is called fincense. Because <laughs> <laughs> they just associate it all with the uh, with the fact that I'm stinky. I'm a weed weed stinky dude most of the time. And now I could say that and like, you know, almost be proud. I don't know. I've, I'm less proud now. I was more proud when it was illegal. Right. Yeah, kind of. Like now, I'm like, oh right, and just like another weed smoker, right? That's doing it, like. Yeah, it sort of changes when you don't have to even pretend to care. Yeah, when when you know when just just floating along with everybody. Oh look, my Christmas cactus is starting to grow flowers. That's weird. It's so far away from Christmas. Yeah, they're. Those uh, things are strange. I can never tell their pattern. They don't do their. They don't do any set calendar. Although, <laughs> they maybe it might have bloomed at Christmas as well. Sometimes they come back for a resurgence. I like them. I've heard about plants that you gotta like hide in the basement for a while and like you know put them in like mm-hmm. dark, deep, cold, weird like I'm gonna die vibe, and then suddenly they start blooming like oh like uh, jades. Mm-hmm. I heard some like certain jades. They normally they don't bloom at all, but if you like stress them out, put them in the basement, then they'll sometimes grow like a big pink flower or something. Interesting. I did. I'm there, yeah, I've never seen a jade plant blooming. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it's not a normal thing, but you can like somehow freak them out, stress them out. Maybe certain varieties. 
I had uh, I, there was uh, a couple of turtles that I took care of for a couple of years. Turtles. Turtles, yeah, mm-hmm. and in a, like uh, aquatic turtles in a tank, on when I lived on North Street, and um, I read that in the winter time because they go down and burrow in the mud and just sort of shut down all winter, that you can actually like put them in a paper bag and. <laughs> And put them in the refrigerator, like in the crisper drawer or whatever. Nice, and they'll be all just, winter. just as happy. They'll be satisfied. Yeah, they'll just kind of shut off, the and then drawer. and then when it's spring, you just you know pull them out and, and tell uh, me you tried it. I didn't do it. I yeah, I mean I loved having them around. Um, I think being in a crisper drawer is just slightly different than you know in a big puddle of crispy mud. I know it it was sort of a tough sell, but <laughs> people on the forums seemed to think it was doable. Yeah, remember, you know, I don't know. You don't remember when there was days before all the internet talk where you had to like, where would you sit down and talk with somebody and then like imagine whether things were going to go like, right. oh, I wonder if, uh, yeah. da, da. and then it's like, ah, how would we ever know? I guess we can go to the library and start doing some research. Maybe find a dude who knows how to do that, you know, about yeah. that thing. I'm an encyclopedia. Yeah, oh, maybe the encyclopedia. Probably we'd be talking about something so current that the encyclopedia wouldn't even really have like much to say about it. Yeah, it's funny being in situations now where you'd be around, you know, three or four people and we're all discussing something that we all have a different opinion about or that we that we but it's based on something sort of factual. And it's kind of like a funny anomaly now to break. It's like it's it's almost like, why are we bother? You know, why are we having this conversation? You know, the answer's out there. You know, we can just look it up right now. So but the answer on page like one through 20 of Google is not the same answer that you find on page like, you know. 150 through 200 or a page like 10,000 through like 10,000. Yeah, that so. and apparently because the Google tracks what you've been Googling and what you're interested in, that if each oh. one of us Googles the same thing, we actually will get different wow, results. Wow, really? Yeah. See, that's messed. It's really ridiculous. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you end up in Burlington? We're in Burlington, Vermont. Oh, we're in Burlington, Vermont. Yeah, it's And right. you've been here a while. I have been here for uh, quite some time. Uh, you know, it was like following the the trail of the rainbow gathering, the rainbow tribe. Uh, back in the early '90s, I was uh, I was doing that and Grateful Dead shows, and you know, even fish shows sometimes here and there. I was I was one of the early fish fans, and I think I don't know. It's some you know, it's gone through so many different phases of being embarrassed or proud to be able to say that <laughs> that I don't even know where we're at at this point. But I was an early fish fan anyway, regardless. And uh, they there was a rainbow gathering in Vermont. There's like 10,000 people in the woods in southern Vermont outside of Hancock in the Green Mountain National Forest. And then at the end of that, the, like two or three weeks, there's a free fish concert in Battery Park here in Burlington. Wow. And so basically a whole bunch of hippies came from the rainbow gathering and went to this fish show. And then remember, we had a big, like, we hold, held hands and we had a huge oming circle in Battery Park and then everybody came together and we hugged and there was probably like 300 people having a big hug, chanting hug in the middle of Battery Park after the show. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I've never been part of anything so communal and just like free spirited. And then the next day there was like uh, on North Beach, there was Reggae Fest. And I just remember like people walking along what would not be the bike path smoking joints and going to the beach and like seeing reggae music right there on Lake Champlain. And I was like, man, I am never leaving this place. This place is so great. For someone who's not from <laughs> Vermont, like 
uh, they might not know that the, the entire state's only got like a little over half a million people. So 10,000 people. 623. Okay. So it's gone up a little bit. Today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 623. So still, uh, so basically a large town or small city in another <laughs> state that a lot of people would <laughs> think, but, uh, 10,000 people is a lot. Yeah. That's hard to imagine. Yeah. There was more like probably more than 10,000, I would say ultimately at that rainbow gathering. I think because it's a national gathering, and it was back in kind of the heyday when, like, in the in the '90s, where rainbow gatherings were were pretty much so still, you know, subcultured enough to be, you know, endeared, yeah, by a huge population of people. And also, like, <laughs> for those who aren't familiar, Battery Park's not a huge place. It's, no, that was basically that was in the middle of the woods. There was only like there no, wasn't ten thousand. No, no, I know that, Park. but I'm oh, thinking yeah, yeah. Battery like, Park was, was that was probably like a thousand people maybe there. Yeah, you have to think about what a fish show is uh, these days compared to you know Battery Park has a basically a glorified band show. Oh I mean, yeah, it's like, oh it's great. <laughs> it's, That's it's all a, it was. Yeah. I saw somebody peeing in the band show the other day when I was running by. I was like, dude, man, there's all this grass. What are you doing peeing in the band show? Come on. <laughs> bunch of drunk guys hanging out yeah but yeah i hung out in burlington you know and then it became winter and then i made it through that one and then i was like oh whew, okay boy there's a real you really gotta want to be in burlington because where were you stay in burlington where were you coming i grew from? up in jersey in jersey yeah which you know has its own winter a lot of snow it's just like this it's just shorter yeah it just doesn't last as long yeah but what a cool place it was a unique place now it's kind of like selling out a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Now yeah. it's like kind of turning into, we had such an opportunity here in Burlington to make it like, you know, a, a unique like model of what the, what, you know, culture could be if people were like, you know, working together enthusiastically to make a positive change and then like be a model of that for people to come to Burlington and be like, oh man, check out the way they're doing these things. And like, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, we still have a little opportunity to that, but like building a big mall downtown and stuff and just making it like anywhere USA is not, it doesn't seem like the, the feeling of Burlington, like what it wants. It wants to stay like quaint and unique, not like chunky and herbified. Yeah. Is that a word? It is now. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit disappointing. Even Although having... it hasn't been there yet because it's just a big hole in the ground. There isn't That's actually true. a big monstrosity. I mean, maybe there's a way that we can like mojo it out and, make, and like some like cool ass architect will come in and they're like, we're going to build pretty much the coolest looking building in America here that people will come to look at and it'll be, you know, an environmental, you know, uh, yeah, you a know. biodome. Maybe they yeah, can build a biodome. biodome some kind of like it'll, it'll like inspire people to build unique, interesting, and and uh, and creative spaces instead of. Well, that's a good segue. What's tell us about the building that's right behind you right now, and how that come about? Oh, I got so I bought these two buildings, the one that we're sitting in now, and the one that Junkteeks is in. I've been running Junkteeks for like fifteen years. And I think it's probably 17 or 18 years. I don't know. 15 years in that building. And then um, it was just like inspired from the hippie culture days where I was dumpster diving a lot. I spent a lot of time going through, you know, when the college kids were moving out, they would like put lots of stuff outside. I was first checking that out. And then I was going to their dumpsters. And then I was just kind of, I got fascinated with collecting free crap and like saving it from, you know, going from the landfill and and then i was like i don't know what to do with this stuff uh, 
And suddenly some guy was like, you should open up a shop. This guy who who owned a clothing store was like, I got this space. You should open up a shop in the space. It was in the old city market building at 274 North Winooski Avenue before it moved here. So I just kind of like, uh, I was living in a community house and everybody moved out and I had all my pile of crap that I had collected plus everything that everybody left when they moved out. So I just took it all and I just turned it into a shop. And then I was like, oh crap, I got to run this place. I, for, I didn't think about that kind of thing. And so I just started getting homeless people because I worked at the homeless shelter for a while. So I just got these homeless people to run the shop for me for the first couple of years. And it was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty ridiculous place. It was definitely like that, you know, there was like the sign, you know, I wanted to put the sign. I think I ended up putting it up behind the counter. That was like, employees may ask for assistance kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was such a weird place. Yeah. And was that like a pay what you want system or did you have prices at that no, point? No, it was or? whatever price that the, at the that the folks came up with at the moment. And yeah. like some of it was pretty atrocious. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it wasn't, it was for the, it was a customer's benefit. Right. You know, I think there was like this long board that my friend left there. It was like this like $150 long board. Somebody sold for five bucks that yeah. day. You know? <laughs> it was classic. Yeah. It was a classic, classic shop. But now we're super functional. Yeah. If you, for those not familiar with Junk Teagues, that's the name of the store. Um, what would what would they find walking in? Well, actually, before they walk in the door and maybe look around, and then and then when they walked in, what would that what would that experience be like? Well, I mean, you know, the the thing that I like is take us on a like, virtual tour. There's random ass people in there because, like, you know, off times they'll be like. A homeless dude or you know somebody who is you know in a, in a pretty rough situation in their life at the moment that you know he's either looking for me or hanging out in there just like passing some time checking out all the good stuff and then there'd be like hope you know usually a college kid or maybe like a mom from shelburne and then um and then you'll walk in and you'll be like wow this is like a unique atmosphere where I'm like, I'm shopping with like people that I don't you know that are, that are not like the, you know, maybe some refugee might walk in from the neighborhood. That, that's my favorite part. It's just like being in there and seeing all the different kinds of people that like show up in that place. I guess this is Burlington, Vermont. So you can expect that in certain places, but you know, still I always like associate things with being sort of segregated into just like people tend toward it that aren't, you know, certain kinds of people either in an income or, you know, that are just like, uh, you know, living in certain neighborhoods, but junk tea seems to gather all kinds of people. And, and that's what I, that's what I like about it the most. The stuff in it is, is just like stuff that I've collected thinking that it was unique that I've, I don't, the shop used to be like almost a hundred percent dumpster dove, but now it's, I'd say I still buy from certain pickers around town and I do a little bit of dumpster diving, although it's a little, it's been a while. So I'd say, but most of it comes from this, one of these companies that, you know, clean out people's attics and basements and, uh, and they're getting paid to do that. So they sell it to me for a real reasonable price. And I bring, bring over truckloads of anything, all kinds of goods. The place is filled with stuff. It's just filled with, you know, any of that's why the, the, the traditional junk teak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not all junk. By any not means. all junk. It's like, all it's kind of cool. Cause you it's like if you're looking for something, you don't want to, uh, you don't know what you were, where you would find it. You don't want to order it online or something. There's actually a good chance that it's there, there's, which is pretty there's, cool. There's, I try to have at least one of one of something of everything. Yeah, kicking around. Yeah, 
yeah it's you know a neighborhood it's a neighborhood shop that i think is you know still has the character has the local color you know has a local feel because it's not a total sellout yet you know yeah i'm gonna sell out <laughs> yeah. when i'm waiting to sell out <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah, I can't wait till there's like a you know neon sign and it's everything's be, like branded junk and it's gonna be know. fresh. It's gonna be the freshest junk branding anybody's ever seen. Yeah, junk in packaging. We're taking it to the next level. We're gonna have like Katy Perry uh, face, Katy Perry's face on all of our products. <laughs> Katy Perry brand junk. Yeah, yeah, good. I look forward to that. I know. That's the kind of uh, town that I want to live in. No, we're trying to just you know keep it, you know, keep keep some kind of flavor of uh, of adversity. <laughs> adversity, yeah. yeah. Glorified adversity. I like to call it. We're like slumming. We're like the slummy, the slummy area. Like re- reclaim the word slum mm-hmm. to to once again, you know, glorify the uh, the the creative bohemian culture. Right, it's a really functional uh, oasis of a slum. Slumptional. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I want to buy this building next door. I did for a while. I don't know if I want to anymore, but I've thought about it for a long time. Right, the empty Salvation Army. There's an empty building next door, and it's like, but, you know, just because growing bigger doesn't mean better. It doesn't have to be the whole American mentality of bigger is better. Whenever I drive around with my parents and they see, like, a big happiness we're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> you were just saying how you're pursuing the American dream. You want bigger and better, shinier. Yeah, I was just like, all I can do is just think more is better. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm about to take over uh, the neighborhood. Yeah. I'm curious to know from your perspective, like of in sort of the creative side of Burlington, you're probably someone that a lot of people know who, I mean, a lot of people know you through the shop, but a lot of people also know you through performance. Um, and I'm curious to know, like, what you see as your major role in this community, as being someone who's pretty visible and a lot of people know. Oh, is my major role? Well, man, my role keeps changing. That's the whole thing about, you know, about having an open mind. Or, yeah, or how it's shifted or yeah, evolved. Yeah, it keeps yeah. shifting. And, like, I... I don't know. I I still am very much uh, really interested in performing, you know, all around town and then like taking on all different roles whenever possible, um, and and being being a, a general socialite. Um, but I, what I've tended toward is like basically hanging out with the more the more disenfranchised peoples, you know. I I basically seem to hang out mostly with either homeless or folks that have had some some kind of mental health diagnosis. I don't know how. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe it's I don't know. I'd like I that's who I'm feeling most comfortable with these days hanging out. And so my attitude has been changing to try to figure out like how to bring sort of like uh, instead of just trying to like hit the masses with entertainment, trying to engage the people i don't know people that i gravitate toward that like how to try to do something creative with folks that you know don't tend toward the creativity in general but i know would like benefit from it yeah so i'm like trying to make this enclave here of junk teaks like a, a little creative energetic area where people can 
you know, start to mosaic broken tile pieces or, you know, find like any, find some creative outlets where we have some resources here that they could tap into. And, you know, even if, even if it's just like, there's a guy who's been living in my basement for like almost three months and he keeps like, I haven't really seen him do much, but then recently he's been expressing his interest in like repairing some furniture or doing something like useful. So now I'm like, okay, here's a couple clamps and here's some glue and, you know, and then we have a neighborhood kid who comes and he's been fixing the bicycles. He's really into the bicycles, bicycle repair and making parts, making a new bike out of old parts together and things like that. Just like letting, trying to tap into everybody's like uh, potential and giving them like the resources to, to manifest yeah. something, something unique, some artistic creative thing. I guess that's where I've been putting my energy mostly in the, in the, in the, artistic community even though i will be in a show next month <laughs> down at the main street landing that i'm working on now with the spiel palace cabaret cool so that is a little bit different i mean that is a branch yeah a branching off to to the quasi mainstream burlington theater community which i still you know i'm a great admirer of and a part of yeah there's a lot of that it's interesting i went from a role in the cabaret from being the uh, master of ceremonies and like, you know, I was the shit in the cabaret to like quitting the cabaret and then joining again as like just a character. And like, I have a very, have a kind of a minimal role. So it's like a really unique perspective to go, you know, to, but I, I did that for my own mental health reasons. So I didn't have to kind of be part of the production of that show. And I could just like focus on like performing. So this year I'm writing a song and I've like uh, been, it's intimidating, but yeah. I'm writing a, a song for this performance. It's like that show that I've never seen that uh, where like the CEO of a big company, like, you know, puts on a mustache or whatever and then goes and gets an entry level position in the, in the company for a while and doesn't tell anyone that they were the CEO and just to get a sense of like what it's actually like to work there. The show you've never seen. I was just, it, I've never seen that show either, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. Undercover and, bosses, and, I think. Yeah, probably. And <laughs> I don't know if the mustache part is true or not. No, let's go with the mustache yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much. Yeah. yeah. That's basically what I've done. Yeah. I've, so I've joined the cabaret with a mustache and, uh, how, are you, is that alluding to my mustache? What do you think of this thing? It's for my, it is for my cabaret character. Uh, I like it. I've, I've seen my you with a lot of different. Has a voice, has a voice, <laughs> with these voices, he's going to be something like these, maybe something, I don't know, I see if possible. Very nasal. Very nasal. <laughs> yes, you know, I thought it was coming like this, maybe ultimate nozzle. No, see, it kind of sounds like it's in your appearance, or I don't know if it's like this or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's somewhere to go. I like the mustache. Europeans. I've, I've seen you with a lot of different facial hair, and I think the mustache is amongst my favorite. It's getting very salt and pepper, I've been told. Well, yeah. But I'm, I'm, that I'm into that. That's my chest is My chest is turning the same way. Oh, wow. Thank saying, you for showing me your chest. <laughs> I was thinking That's about... That's just a peak, though. Yeah, it's not, that wasn't the full thing. Right, but yeah, you you're getting hairy. You can see it all. I'm... I'm, I'm you're not, you're, I'm reasonably hairy. No match to a Lee Anderson, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm not wearing a, a constant sweater, <laughs> whether I want to or not. But um, I was thinking about. You should interview him. I would love to. Yeah, Great. I probably we'll will. set you up. I know Lee too, and um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was wearing like this outfit the other day, 
and this like tank top and I was like seeing all the college kids out and about and I was like you know I kind of have like a I guess somewhat of a college kid outfit on you know I was like getting really summery because it was so warm out I was thinking to myself I wonder if anyone thinks that I'm a college student like I you know like I know passes a college student why not well I don't know because I I think I was like I probably look a little bit older and then I like looked down at my chest and there's like half you know like all these gray hairs coming through and I was like yeah I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to pass as a college student but I was just wondering if it might happen you you know you can get your discount places that's true yeah so important um let's let's talk about psychedelics yeah I'm an advocate of that. I mean, you know, all right. So I've been on the cutting edge of everything. I would, I, I, I think, I, you know, if I don't toot my own horn, I've been. Like, I don't trending. think anyone's going to argue. I've been with trending. It. I've been hashtagging. You ride hashtags. Wave. You ride in every way. I was like, basically, I remember going into coffee shops and being like, um, "Can you fill up this coffee in this in this cup here that I brought?" And they'd be like, "No, we'll just give you a new cup." And I'd be like, "No, no, no. I'm I'm doing this for a reason. I I am trying to reduce you know waste. So can you put the coffee in this cup?" And they're like, "We'd." conversations were, were like endless like now you bring your cup in people understand yeah 10% right away. discount or whatever yeah, yeah I mean it's like but I was I mean early on from the hippie days I was like going and then in each trend you know including you know marijuana which was you know always you had to hide everywhere for your my whole life because it was like being a pot smoker wasn't a shy you were ashamed and it was a crime and you had to be you know in the closet the whole time and then suddenly i put you know i would push the trend and push the agenda and now look at this on the cutting edge of the marijuana thing you you single-handedly have legalized marijuana (laughs) Uh, so I just, um, I'm feeling like, well, you got to be on the cutting edge of something. So let's go right to psychedelics, man. Why do we still have to hide, hide with our psychedelics? Well, we don't much, much longer. I mean, there's so much information that's come out and so much of the mainstream is actually embracing the whole psychedelic culture, particularly mushroom therapies. Yeah. MDMA. Pollen. Michael Pollen. Yeah. Yeah. Pollen. Yeah. I haven't written any, read, 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 read it. I haven't read it yet. Read it. Material. Um, I haven't read the book, but I've heard him interviewed about it a bunch. And when I first when I first saw his article that he did a few years ago for the New Yorker, it was called "The Trip Treatment," which I definitely recommend anyone reading um, as a primer. I was so pumped because he is such a respected um, person right. in in the culture, and you know he, he tackled in scientific yeah. and in food systems uh-huh. and you know all these things that he has decided to get really into and experience himself. And so he was talking about that, and he he mentioned the psilocybin for you know terminal cancer patients and for sure losing fear of death he talked about and actually one of the people who he mentioned that uh, james fadiman wrote the psychedelic explorer's guide which is an incredible book and he was one of the big researchers back in the 60s and um he uh was i going with this uh anyways i was pumped to see his name i i'm I've never met Jim in person, but he, I, I know. He uh, lost the audio there. Something went wrong. Stand by. But anyways, I really hope that one day we can get Jim on the show because um, yeah, he's, I am connected to him. He reads the stories that I write and send out by email through, you know, a series of interesting connections. But um, I'm going to hit pause real quick. Great. Hey. Anyways, yeah. So um, he's a he's a dream guest. Hopefully, uh, he lives out in California. Journey out there because I really only want to do in person 
conversations. I don't want to hook yeah, up Skype, Skype and do that stuff. It doesn't feel that fun to me. I feel you. I think it's always nice to like have some, you know, eye to eye. And it's a good excuse to go places and, you know, seek people out. It's For fun. Sure. Yeah. You got to take a lot of photos, though. Don't yes. forget, man. You gotta I, do little, don't worry. I'm always taking do a photos. Little video. You got to do it. I'm always a, bit I'm a multimedia. Photos. I'm a multimedia audio. experiencer. <laughs> um, all right. When does the interview start? It's uh, it's never gonna start. This is this is just we our warm up. We don't is... we don't do the interview. What? Let's we're talk. No, here? we're so we're talking about psychedelics. Oh yeah. Have you heard psychedelics. <laughs> Have you heard of them, Finn? Have you heard of them? They'll get you. They'll get you good. Uh, yeah, I've heard of them and uh, I've I've been, I've done them. I've been them. And I've been him. <laughs> you heard it first, folks. I was, I He's been him. I, I've been. I was a fan for a while of offering people to smoke DMT because, like, that's such a cool thing to have an experience with because it's so short and you just like you have to just figure out what the hell just happened to you and like to have somebody to, like process with and it's like and unlike other drugs where you're like oh I'm like chemically altering and I'm on a drug it's like you get a sense from that drug that it's happening. It's like a, a reality that's happening at the same time as this reality simultaneously already. And that you're like, literally you're just tapping into it. You're, you're, you're getting a glimpse into it or you just get transport or transported bam suddenly into like it's happening at the same time. But it's just in another place and another dimension, mm-hmm. another space, another place, another space. And it's cool. It's a very unique experience. It's super dynamic. It's filled with meaning for me. It's always brings my life together into this kind of like amazingly comprehensive way that I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise. Or maybe I would have. Maybe, you know, under states of, I've never been to Vipassana meditation, but maybe after 10 days of sitting in stillness, I might have been, I might be able to come to a realization like I do, you know, after 30 seconds of taking a hit of DMT. But maybe. But still, find out. Yeah, still, still a possibility. But it is magnanimous, I think, and and it is like filling in all these receptor sites that are already there. It's like we and we already have like DMT in our bodies. It's it's just kind of, you know, releasing it before you're dying, or you know, maybe in deep dream state. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the like dmt is and i think they say endogenic or something you know it's that it's created within our bodies just usually not in the concentrations right but that like uh, people enter similar states as they would with taking a psychedelic through breath work for instance and that's literally just breathing you know breathing, and, yeah, like holotropic breath work that, yeah exactly Stanislav Graf, Graf yep. brought to us yeah and uh, and all of the offshoots of different names that are all the same thing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people go through deep and incredibly healing and uh, fascinating journeys, and it's just breathing. Well, I've heard uh, another, I just heard recently um, uh, somebody explain that, so that you have serotonin, and at nighttime when you're sleeping, you have m- melatonin. melatonin. Yeah. And so if you keep yourself... Or melatonin, as I like yeah, to call them. Melatonin. <laughs> And so if you keep yourself in a state of darkness for um, 20, for like, you know, for a long period of time, like over 24 hours, when your melatonin maxes out, 
like so so instead you you don't switch over you you so melatonin's at nighttime and serotonin's in the day in the light and so if you stay in the dark enough and you get enough melatonin where you max out your melatonin it starts to transfer over into 5MAO DMT and if you stay long enough in that dark state that it, it'll transfer over into DMT you know and wow. you'll have a DMT like experiences after say you know 72 hours in total darkness that's I, yeah, that I, that it triggers that you. Or I think the melatonin turns to something else, and then it turns into the DMT. But like it'll just like everything. Every time your your receptors get full and they're f maxed out, they peak out. Then they you know start to naturally transfer over into a. It, so it I makes can imagine if you were in like you know a prisoner of war, or just like be thrown into like you know dark yeah. place for long <laughs> yeah. periods of time and it also makes me think of people that live up in the north when like it goes you mm -hmm. know you have like six months of darkness and people yeah. start getting all wacky yeah i was thinking about when you said that like the sleep studies they do you know that people sign up for where you're uh, in a room and they uh -huh. mess with your rhythms and don't tell you what time it is and whatever you know i wonder if people have somehow like really psychedelic experiences during like those that. someone all dmt releasing times <laughs> yeah uh and also through uh, like sensory deprivation tanks, you know. Oh yeah, I love I love myself a sensory <laughs> yeah. deprivation tank. Yeah. I own one. I gotta set it up though. The guy who gave it to me was like, "You have a kid?" I was like, "Yep." He's like, "Well, you take this. You have another one." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, it's just a sensory deprivation tank." But apparently, once you get it going, it's like having a kid. You know, you gotta like you gotta take the due diligence, yeah, and the time to commit to it. And you know, keep it going, keep it warm, keep it pumping, keep the, the fluidity. Yeah, and the salinity and, and everything. Uh, but I'd love to set one up. I'm ready. All right. So if anyone wants to buy the Salvation Army building, I think <laughs> we just a whole group of people will buy it and we'll set up like some sauna, some like date, some bathhouse in there where we can enjoy the winter time with our community members and a nice sauna bathhouse facility and we'll have a sensory deprivation area. We can have all kinds of therapeutic rooms and uh, and a shooting gallery for heroin users, of course. Yeah. Attached to the side. Yeah. So that people have a safe place where they can shoot up and get the help that they need in an environment. Yeah, well, that's what they do in uh, is it Sweden parts of Canada, or Switzerland and Canada as and well. In Canada, I think it's yeah, to... really effective too, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think in Vancouver we're having an opioid epidemic. Yeah. Yo, yeah, this is epidemicy. It is epidemicy. And since the fentanyl shit came around, man, people die. Yeah, one of my boys died. I call all the kids lost boys here. One of my lost boys died last year on fentanyl overdose. He helped. He sanded. He sanded the uh, or sand the porch up here. Giving it up for Sean. Yeah, it, it's the fentanyl thing doesn't even seem fair. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, that's that's not fair. Just people dying, uh, do, yeah, thinking, thinking they're, they're doing, about to like just shoot up. And yeah, just nice again, like, like any other day. And, uh, and yeah, it's awful. But they got to know now that everything's cut with fentanyl. But this whole weird thing, you know, like people were like coke's cut with fentanyl, and then I heard people I knew I actually know somebody who you know some had friends die from doing cocaine that was actually cut with fentanyl. I was like, that's the weirdest fucking thing. Those are two different things. That, these things that don't go together. Yeah, it's like one takes you up and one brings you down. I guess that's. But to think that you're doing a line of coke and then to have fentanyl on you, that's fucked up. It's that's just fucked. Yeah, it's beyond. No, no way. Nothing's good. 
but why don't we let like people like test their powders? Why don't we have like a testing powder area or some some or some? Why don't we give you know? I don't know. I think slowly, slowly, the whole drug culture is changing here in America, uh, and even quicker than slowly these days. Yeah, it does like, seem to awareness be awareness is is being brought. You know, and it's like okay. Even some people more than ever would think, oh, maybe like, okay, this person has a heroin problem. That that's a prop. That's an addiction problem that they need help with. Where back in the day, you know, even just ten years ago, everybody would be like, that guy's just fucked. You know, he's just a drug addict. And he, you know, it's just criminal and period. Not like he's got a, an issue. He's got some help. You know, he's uh, has some issues he needs to address. Yeah. Hopefully that means that we've gone somewhere good, you know. Yeah, no, I think addressing it's people as issues. I, I I hope we are still. Yeah, I think we're both like you said inching towards it and moving pretty quickly towards some great greater models, but it's yeah. You know what's really interesting is like uh, I heard recently, uh, you know, I've been listening to different podcasts and one was, you know, all about like people um with mental health issues um in this place in I think it was in um uh, Belgium where there was like a town that was like basically people would take in people as a border and they would like uh, someone with mental health issues and they would just care for them. You know, they get like a little stipend, but it wasn't about the money. It was about like kind of like just bringing somebody in and, uh, and what, what they discovered in it was that like people that were close, you know, people that were, had family members that ha- had problems couldn't help them because they were too invested in their well-being and them getting better that like everything that they did to help them got basically jinxed and like things were just traumatic but if there was a level removed and it was like a stranger where they didn't care so much about the outcome that they could actually help other people that like the help was actually started to you know was really taken in and 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 beneficial it's uh, it's such a weird like uh idea to you know that you you sort of have to help strangers. And I think that's what I'm doing here with like people's like, you know, I, I just, I'm helping people without this expectation that they have to get better or something better has to, that some result has to happen. It's just like, just the fact. And, and I think most of the people that I'm hanging with are have, having a better, you know, life for it, you know, even though there's no pressure to, you know, like one, one guy was like the town drunk, like always the town drunk who was just here is like, is not drunk nearly as much as he used to be and he seems to be actually valuing his life Mm. and just like little by little just like people hanging out that aren't you know my family members that i could be beneficial to yeah yeah uh if you've ever heard of johan hari i've heard him interviewed and he he's written books about uh addiction and also uh anxiety and depression as sort of like a you know huge both epidemic things and just talking about how the opposite of addiction and and pretty much i I don't want to take his words but uh, anxiety and depression is connection you know and um that's that's exactly like suddenly like i'm like feeling like all these different people who are like wayward and didn't have any connection all like are all like found some connection with each other through around this place yeah and they feel like they're part of something and that it's a positive thing i'm hoping even though some of the people that are more functional are like, what the hell are these wacky people doing here all day long? <laughs> why are you know, why are there these weird guys in my backyard, you know, talking to themselves next to each other? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, like you said, without it being like this overarching, like you need to be this way or what you're doing is wrong or just, but literally just having a place where people know that they can come and just be, 
and that there might be something they can contribute to and have a little have a sense of purpose. Like I mean, it's, to my yeah, mind, it's really it's, important. It's I huge. mean, the drunk guy knows that he can't be here drunk, though. That's one thing. You know, but, like certain things. Well, right, and like, that's. Yeah, I mean, I had to put some boundaries up. It's just like, you know. Like this is a safe place, but I want it to be safe for everybody. And you, you get drunk and you get weird. So when you're drunk, don't be here because that doesn't make it safe for everybody. Right, and that's I mean that's very different than yeah. like shaming them for having an yeah, addiction for sure, or for this sure. or that, but right. just saying yeah, like, just don't come if here. If you're here, this yeah. is how you need to be while exactly. you're here. Like, it's, yeah, it's been a real cool social, interesting social experiment. And hopefully, you know, I definitely had lots of people. Lots of the normal people sort of pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, over the years, but. Everybody's smooth now. We're all sort of working together. Yeah. Well, people don't like their uh, little lifestyles to be yeah, threatened. shaking up a bit. Yeah. Shaking up. I'm all into shaking it up. Yeah. I loved living on North Street like uh, when I initially got there because everybody was out in the open. Yeah. I mean, it right? was just like, and I really appreciated that. It was like, there, no one, I mean, it was sort of, a weird safe space to just kind of be a mess or be whatever you were going through. And it was all happening sort of on front and center. And then even in the couple of years where I lived there and I was like kind of in the um, epicenter of that. And then over the couple of years, you know, they got like way more into the policing. And so there's constantly cops walking down the streets and then they would get a lot of the homeowners to get uh, trespassing things yeah. so that like so people couldn't sit the, on front stoops yeah i i mean i would literally walk out our front door and there would be like four dudes sitting on the porch drinking beers who, oh yeah it was crazy we didn't even I mean, know right around by rose street there was like oh you know people were we were afraid to walk around the corner sometimes because it yeah. was just like somebody was going to yell at you for something <laughs> yeah. that you didn't do but i loved it I now was they're like, all college kids there they like uh, you know they just like painted the places and yeah. tore and tore up you know made up some new gentrified buildings and yeah i really appreciated it i i said to them it was the same thing i said i don't mind if you guys are here just don't leave cans on the porch, you know, just clean up, but do whatever, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's like having, uh, I felt like because everyone, Protection. yeah, I yeah. felt like because everyone is out in the open that everyone kind of looked out and if something or somebody was out of place or seeming to be up to something, uh -huh. like I think would people would, it yeah. would be addressed. Yeah. So it was sort of like, and, yeah, and I had then, a stalker here like uh, like a couple of weeks ago. I was just seeing somebody a little bit off his mental health rocker, and uh, and it was cool to have like a bunch of different people around to help you know keep an eye on the place and making sure that he's not you know coming to create disruption. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I'm you know so then there was police all over and and all these people that would be out on the street just disappeared. And it was like, well, they're not disappeared. They're still around. But like, Where are they? Are they in Milton or something? Where yeah, are they shipping no, to? I mean, they're probably just inside. You now know, there's but, these cool encampments I saw down, um, uh, you know, off of Manhattan. If you take that path that kind yep. of goes down the hill, yep. there's that cool, they have some real encampments back in there. Yeah. They're making communities off the grid. Yeah. Which is great if they can you know, keep it together. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do with these podcasts, man? Well, I'm going to put them together. Yeah. I'm going to add yeah. a bunch of different uh, aspects to it. So this having conversations with people is going to be just one part of it. Um, but it, similarly, I want to uh, create a space um, where, uh, you know, I'm interested in human beings, first and foremost, you know, not a certain subset of people or 
and so I want to I want this to be a place where a wide variety of people can come and check in and tune in and yeah people can come and tell their stories tell their stories and just be heard and yeah uh and then if and when it gathers any any momentum I want to put invitations out there for people to do things in the world or to send in their stories or send in their I've got a lot of different vision for this but I the point is I want like like if someone uh maybe we'll, we'll come up with some kind of prompt or some kind of little invitation to go out and do in the world and then if people want to go out and do it and then they'll send back voice recording about oh, their so experience I'm or going about, to Europe at the end of June I can you know yeah so we can say some voice recordings yeah exactly uh, and say you know Finn keeping you know meet five strangers and ask them this question and see what you get back or you know just like all that kind of stuff i want it's sort of like a um location independent space where different people can come and different people's voices will be heard we'll send out different invitations for things and this is a space where that can be celebrated and encouraged and all right. Well, when you start making a live, you know, stage drama of it, or you go <laughs> yeah. to take it on a production tour, please consider me as a performer. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll help do the <laughs> no, noble dreams podcast, the play, <laughs> the narrative, <laughs> the multimedia experience, the multimedia experiences. Come and join us on the road. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. For antics. Something. Um, what are you going to do with your bananas anyway? Are they for eating or are well, they props? One's for you if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There are props for the set piece. You know, it's an audio experience for the people listening, but for us in, in this 3D reality, it's we want to have a comfortable, that's why we have your house plants and uh, the lamps and two bananas on the table. I'm on a, I'm lounging on a couch while Finn's in his rocker. Yep, that couch is from... Okay, uh, it's not a rocker, Ger- but... <laughs> that couch is a futon from Germany, 1930s. Before a futon was a futon, man. 1930, I'm, it folds down into a bed. I'm on a pre-futon, velveteen <laughs> futon. Man, that's when you're a junk, when you're a junk man, you end up with all this kind of weird junk. You're just like, it's, it's got some weird stories. Somebody's laid on that. In a day and age where everything is technology, you know, it's like, if you open up an email and it's like, from the president of the United States or something. And it's like, to know, I mean, that's maybe a bad example in this day and age, but well, you know, if it was the president, when it was Obama or something, you know, and, and you're like, if you got a letter and it was like hand signed from Obama, you'd be like, oh my, Obama touched this letter. Yeah. Now it's like, I'm touching this letter. But you get like an email from Obama and you're just like, oh, what am I going to do? Like print it out and, like, <laughs> and just have it like, you know. So it's like, just like the power of things that letter are touched by humans and like the energy that gets imbued into objects and you know that's junk teas is really interesting like that way there was you know these all these pieces of history of like so many people have touched and where they've been and all these great stories of all these objects do you think like, i don't know your, i don't know your stance on uh like this sort of stuff but do you think that objects can be haunted haunted objects i think objects can have can retain some energy yeah sure why not let's haunt it up you want a haunted object right now? Yeah. Should we like haunted object in this room? So like Airbnb. Well, I don't know if we can yes. haunt one. Oh, you can't. You I don't. Know, you might have to be right? dead or something. Yeah. But you gotta like maybe. Uh, but it yeah, is interesting you think idea. about. Well, I used to go into the shop and I used to like pick up objects and I like, just look at them and like kind of like think about it and I like, put them down and then like guaranteed a customer would come in and f- and be attracted to that thing and then they'd be like, "Oh, how much is this?" You know and. 
And like it's over and over again, I would do t- t- sometimes I'd just come in the morning, just touch like three things. And then like at least one of those things would sell that day. Wow. Usually or there would be interest in something just because, you know, the energy is being put there. Interesting. Yeah, I'd like to be able to meet or see all the people who have sat on this thing. You know, imagine right? that. It got shipped from Germany. That's what I mean. It's like, who knows? Yeah. I mean, not you know, not like, like Hitler was crashing on it or anything, but. He could have. It's, it's cool to talk about Hitler, right? He could have. <laughs> It's open space. <laughs> you can talk yeah. about whoever you want. <laughs> no, we don't want to give Hitler anymore. You know. Yeah, he's gotten enough play. Credo. He's gotten enough uh, attention <laughs> over the years. So, yeah, it's a modern day. We're just changing with the times, and we're just keeping keeping going with it. I'd say we're in the most exciting time in the world. You know, like could you have a podcast in like you know thirteen twenty eight or something like that that would just like touch on anything as interesting that we could be talking about right now. Well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't know much about thirteen twenty. It wouldn't be a podcast, but what would we be? I, I mean, mean uh, you know, that's the Inquisition. I don't know. It's dark. It's like Middle Ages. We're Dark Ages still. I think. Uh, I don't know. I like to think about just in general, like what people were doing a hundred years ago, and no, almost nothing like what we're doing now. I mean, in some cultures, in some places, I guess there might be a little bit of a mirror of like, something that somebody would be doing even a hundred years ago, but. I mean, I guess that was the Industrial Revolution was happening, so things were really changing yeah. kind of quick. Yeah, every, I mean, 100 was well, I guess 2019. Yeah, so 1890, my timing's a little... Well, it's just, in, I mean, and... But a lot of people would be sitting, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot more leisure time, I would say, or work time and leisure time broken up that wasn't just filled with stuff. It was a lot of, like, kind of hanging out, maybe reading, maybe, like... <laughs> Maybe reading. It might maybe be hard to generalize. Sitting. I don't. I think maybe reading. Of... Maybe sitting. Maybe working in the factories. Maybe working in the fields. Yeah. A lot of working. A lot of reading. A lot of working and reading. The story of the twenties. I mean, that's what or I would the say. Or the teens. Come on, tell me how many more things were going on. I mean, yeah, people were driving around in cars, just barely. A little bit. Even. Yeah. They're just... riding their buggies still. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there's like, there wasn't a lot going on. I was just trying to say, we have, you know, we have a, a, what a variety of life. You know, I've heard that most Americans are, you know, get a third of Americans are sedentary, more sedentary now. I believe it. So let's get off our butts and do something. All right. You want to go, you can interview some uh, items in Junktiques if you want. You can go in there and talk to (laughs) some. That's a good idea, maybe for another day. I don't know if I have it in me right now to be listening well enough what a what a great thing what a great moment to share with you great moment to share with you too finn thank you thank you no, for uh, we were ran into the streets and uh, i was like what are you doing today and you're like oh, i'm gonna start a podcast and i'm like well if you ever need someone to talk to you can just give me a buzz and then the next day <laughs> the I'm, next the I'm very on, next i'm on your day. podcast the very next day would you call it the noble something noble dreams noble dream is it the or no just no noble, noble dreams just, just two words noble yeah. dreams yeah yeah, that is so old school. <laughs> Noble Dreams it is. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Noble Dreams. Thank you for tuning in, folks. We'll see you next time. We'll see you with another exciting character <laughs> telling you about their reality. And I just want to mention that I think what Finn suggested there to 
speaking with items in the store was such an incredible idea. The only reason I didn't do it was because I didn't really have time that day. Um, but I really, really would like to do that. Maybe I'll do it the next time I'm over there because I think that's uh, a really sweet idea. And I like the idea of, uh, and I like to take people's invitations the same way that uh, we give them out and hope that you take them as well. So thank you, Finn, for that awesome idea. And maybe we'll do it soon. Thank you.